0: 77 WABC, the Crown Jewel of American Radio.
1: WABC Talk Radio, 77 indeed, the Crown Jewel of American Radio. And this is James Golden with you, a.k.a. Mr. Snurdly. You can reach me or reach us here. 848-WABC, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800 848 WABC, And we'd be happy to take your calls on this. January 6th, this is the day that, of course, liberals around America could not wait. They've been waiting for today since last year, this time. And uh, all you have to do is look at the number of articles that appear in the the mainstream press outlets. They all are Trump hate. They all are how dangerous Trump is. I shouldn't say all. Most of them are. The overwhelming majority are. This is a day if Democrats could have their way, this would be like that movie uh, uh, Groundhog Day. They'd wake up and have January 6th over and over again. We are going to have with us in about uh, oh, 15 minutes or so, a gentleman that wrote a great piece for uh, the Federalist, and his name is John Daniel Davidson. There's also, by the way, because he nails it, the name of his piece, January 6th anniversary coverage, and he wrote this a few days ago, it was all about silencing Republicans, and we want to get his thoughts on that. There's also a piece by James Brevard in the New York Post today, I believe it's the New York Post, that is excellent. And there was a picture in that that I also want to talk about, because many people have forgotten that in the aftermath of January 6th, what did Democrats do? They closed off the entire town. They had fencing put up. Remember all of that? And they had National Guard out. And they mistreated the National Guard. You don't hear about that part. Nancy Pelosi, so anxious to show force, had brought in National Guard, did not have any sleeping accommodations for them. They were forced to sleep in some cases in, in the parking spaces and parking lots and underground garages in the cold Nothing was done to accommodate those that were called to, quote-unquote, protect D.C. And what happened after January 6th? Were there other, quote-unquote, incursions? No. No, they had all this barricade. They had all these barricades put up. They had all this fencing put up to try to make it pretend that D.C. was under siege and that these right-wingers were... A bunch of crazy haws were out, you know, with the pitchforks, and they were going to overrun the Capitol. And none of that ever happened. Now, one of the sad things of today, Dick Cheney, a man I've always admired, his daughter not so much, but Dick Cheney says today that he's very disappointed that Republican leadership is not demanding a return to the Constitution. He's echoing his daughter's talking point. I don't know what that means, by the way, because I don't see where the Constitution, what is he talking about exactly? Who violated it? Mr. Cheney. James Brevard, before we go to the bank, to the break. Last year's January 6th clash at the Capitol may be the most politically exploited ruckus in American history. I agree with that. Team Biden is doing a victory lap to mark the anniversary. But the feds continue covering up key information regarding that day's events. Democrats are canonizing a false version of history. To change voting laws. That's one of the things we're going to speak with shortly with Mr. John Davidson. Because that that is serious. This whole thing they're trying to link now, these voting rights, to January 6th. After the fracas a year ago, Democrat members of Congress made ludicrous claims about the perils they faced that day. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, New York, says we came close to half of the house nearly dying from attackers. (laughs) But the only person gunned down that day was 35-year-old Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt, shot at point-blank range by Capitol policemen. (sighs) While heavy penalties are justified for protesters who physically attack police, President Biden, his media allies, portrayed clashes that day as an insurrection seeking to destroy American democracy, but, but, but Reuters reported in August that the FBI had found little or no evidence that the attackers were part of an organized plot to overturn the presidential election, with almost all protesters one-off cases unrelated to a grand scheme. And the article goes on to say, now this I thought was funny, not funny, but there's there's reason that we should question this. The Justice Department declared last summer an investigation and prosecution of the Capitol breach will be the largest in American history, both in terms of the number of defendants persecuted the nature and volume of the evidence, but the feds continue withholding. The federal government is withholding almost all of the 14,000 hours of surveillance video from that day. A coalition of 16 media groups, including Washington Post, Associated Press, TV networks, have sued to gain access to it, BuzzFeed, one illegal battle in September posted a short clip of the protesters walking peacefully inside. A jarring contradiction to the "democracy damn near died" narrative. And the the piece in the in the, uh, in the New York Post goes on to raise a number of other interesting questions: what things that law enforcement is ignoring about. This day. But I just want to know what happened to all of those pictures of the Democrats? What happened to all the pictures of the Democrats putting a fence around the Capitol? They won't build a wall around the southern border, but they built a wall around their own Capitol building to protect themselves from people. And. They kept that wall up. I I know people that were in D.C. on business, and they had to travel so far out of their way to get to places, and there was no one trying to enter in the Capitol grounds. It was all based on nothing, a scam. Anyway, WABC Talk Radio 77. We will take your call today, this January 6th. Again, if Democrats had their way, this would be the day that repeated over and over and over and over again. Here's that story from ABC News I mentioned earlier. ABC News Chief Washington Correspondent Jonathan Carl spoke to former Vice President Dick Cheney just off the House floor today. Asked why he came to the Capitol this day. He said, it's an important historical event. You can't overestimate how important it is. And former Vice President Cheney said, I'm deeply disappointed. We don't have better leadership in the Republican Party to re- re- restore the Constitution. Really? I didn't. What, what part of it is exactly? Anyway, James, go a.k.a. Bo Sneary with you here, WABC. We're coming back. More of your calls, and we can't wait to have a good conversation with Mr. Davidson also. So don't go away. Coming right back. <music> Lou Rawls brings us back. WABC Talk Radio 77. You'll never find another lover like, hey, like who? (laughs) Like me, darling. Yeah. You know, the Democrats are at it again. Um, A handful of congressional Democrats are investigating whether former President Donald Trump can be prevented from holding elected office ever again. They want to go through Section 3 of the 14th Amendment better known for enshrining the Equal Protection Clause, and basically they're making the argument that Donald Trump was involved and engaged in an insurrection and a rebellion against the United States, and therefore he can't hold office again. This is so tired. This is so lame. These people, this is all they have on their brain is Trump hate. It is every day. It is every day in the Washington Post. It is every day in the New York Times. It has been every day since Donald Trump ran for office, this is what their entire, entire reporting is about, Trump hate. Now, the New York Times has finally weighed in on the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, who has told prosecutors in his office he's going to seek jail or prison time only for the most serious crimes. Unless, unless the law requires otherwise, which is what a lot of people did not hear the first time. Uh, And the the New York Times, of course, very forgiving, very lenient in terms of their handling of this memo. You know, Bragg has also said he's not going to prosecute some misdemeanors, including prostitution, fair evasion that his predecessor, Cyrus Vance, had already stopped charging his crimes, but he's adding more misdemeanors to the list, more crimes that he won't prosecute, blah, 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 blah. This is going to be a long battle. Dig in. Dig in. We are up for a very long battle with this new Manhattan district attorney. And if you have a business in Manhattan... You had really better start thinking about how it is that you want to help defend your business from criminality. I'm not urging a particular course of action. I'm just saying it's something you need to be aware of. Let's head to the telephones. Where do we go, Rich?
2: All right, James. Good afternoon. Let us begin in Garden City and speak with George.
1: Hello, George. Welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77.
0: I'm a retired court clerk, criminal division for many years. I know a lot about the criminal justice system. What the DA in Manhattan is doing here right now...
1: I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let me be fair to you. I don't want to shortchange you. We have a guest on the line, and we're going to go to him. Don't you hang up. We're coming back to you. We're going to start all over with you, so thanks a lot. Just don't go away. All right, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurby, our guest is here, Mr. John Daniel Davidson, who is a senior editor over at The Federalist, and The the Federalist today has outdone themselves. Molly Hemingway has a piece that you guys need, everybody, every article over there is amazing today. But here is the article that ran a few days ago that caught my eye. January 6th anniversary coverage is all about silencing Republicans. Mr. Davidson, welcome, and thank you for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Now, can you explain what you meant by this headline and by your story that the January 6th anniversary coverage is all about making sure that the Republicans are silenced?
3: Yes, I can. I referenced the New York Times editorial that ran on January 1st that many uh, of your listeners may have seen entitled January 6th is Every Day Now. And the point of the argument that the Times editors were making was to conflate the rioters on January 6th with state lawmakers, Republican state lawmakers, who are trying to pass election reforms, saying that they are of one piece. They have the same motivation uh, that a January 6th Insurrection is now a bloodless and legalized effort to reform state election laws by Republicans. Uh, And to me, that really gives the whole game away that they just want to use what happened on January 6th to delegitimize what are otherwise perfectly legal and legit and valid efforts to shore up state election laws.
1: You have, um, it has been announced today, in fact, that uh, both Kamala Harris, vice president, and and Joe Biden will be traveling to Georgia so that they can uh, highlight the issues of uh, voting laws there. You have Chuck Schumer now who said that he's going to tie all of this in to getting rid of the filibuster, even if it's for a one-time shot, so that they can vote in election law reforms, which would pretty much... If i'm correct, federalize the election process, regardless of when and and these are actually you talk about voter suppression, they want to make sure that Republicans don't have the right to run elections in their own states. Do I have that wrong?
3: no, you're absolutely right. They want to make every state uh subject to federal regulation of the elections, basically federal rules for everybody, and enshrine the worst aspects of Democrat-led state election laws, like no rules really for absentee ballots, inability to purge voter rolls of deceased or out-of-state voters, uh, you know, no rules around verifying identity or, um, you know, other absentee ballot regulations and make sure the person who actually voted absentee is the voter on the rolls. They'd like to get rid of all Republican efforts to regulate those things and make sure that those things are secure. Um, Essentially, the election of 2020, where a lot of those rules were relaxed in the name of the pandemic, they would like to make that permanent. That's
0: what this is about.
1: Do you think that this campaign that they're running, conflating what happened on January 6th last year, with election law is actually working with the public. Do you think that people are making the connection, or is this just far-fetched?
3: No, I don't think it's working because I don't think the American people are that stupid. I have a lot of faith in the American people. <laughs> and, and my my average countryman who does not live in the uh, New York, Washington, D.C. corridor uh, and, and is not a media or political elite, uh, those people have a lot more sense than uh than uh, are betters in the halls of Congress I think they're doing this because it's the last play they have you have an administration that's failed on every level it the basic test of competency a uh, legislative agenda that has stalled out uh profoundly bad poll numbers for the president and the vice president uh and facing uh an electoral landslide in November this is the last card they have to play and so they're going to play it all the way
1: Wow. Do you um, look when, when, how did we get here? Two weeks ago, we were talking about Build Back Better. What happened to that? <laughs>
3: I, this, uh, this goes to the incompetence I was talking about. You don't come into office uh, with basically no congressional majority to speak of, where you, you don't even have your own caucus in line, uh, and propose FDR style legislation. Uh, if you come in with that kind of a majority, you, you craft the legislative agenda that you can get Republican support for, so that it can actually pass. Uh, this is sort of the Obama, uh, you know, Affordable Care Act playbook. When when Obama was elected in 2008, the American people weren't clamoring for universal health care and a really convoluted federal health care reform. Uh, they were we were in the midst of the financial crisis, and yet. The Democrats use the opportunity of uh, a White House victory to ram through a completely partisan and unpopular bill. And that's the playbook that the Biden administration is following here. They think they can ram through these huge pieces of legislation with essentially, you know, uh, n- no majority to speak of in Congress. They don't even have their own side o- on the same page.
1: What happens if this effort to link January 6th with what Schumer is is? All of this depends on Joe Manchin. If Joe Manchin wiggles his nose up or down and says no, thank you, or if 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 Kirsten uh, Sinema does the same thing, all of a sudden their plans are shot, right? So so they de- they're depending on these two senators to help kill the filibuster. What happens if they fail? What what do you see happening to Democrat if they fail at this?
2: If they fail
3: to break the filibuster. Uh, I think they're going to double down on, uh, you know, charges that the Republican Party is a threat to the republic. Uh, the Republican Party is is racist. The Republican Party doesn't believe in democracy, is a threat to democracy. And you're going to see them use the powers that they have in the executive branch to go after even their own elected colleagues. We're already seeing this with the January 6th, you know, show trial select committee wanting to subpoena member, their, their own colleagues, members of Congress, and haul them before this kangaroo court of the J6 committee. Uh, we're going to see more of that. We're going to see the same kinds of things they use to try to impeach President Trump twice, media leaks, classified information leaking out, lying under oath. They're going to pull out all the stops uh, if this doesn't work.
1: And in 2022, as we are now in, we've got Primaries coming up, we, and they, they will begin in a few months, and of course we have the all-important midterm elections. Is this, in any way, what the Democrats are doing now, a pathway to victory? Do you see it as a pathway to victory for Democrats?
3: I don't. I think they've already shot their pathway to victory. They needed Joe Biden to come into office and to do just a few things right, Uh, just a a few things competently, Uh, just meet a few challenges without turning them into crises. Instead, they've turned every challenge into a crisis and every crisis into a catastrophe, from the border to Afghanistan to inflation to the COVID response. They failed on every level. I think it's too late for them. It doesn't matter. What they do now, you know, people out in America are not talking about build back better or federalizing elections. They don't care about that. They care about prices at the grocery store, gas prices, the schools, COVID. Those are the things they care about. And those are the things that Biden administration has absolutely failed on.
1: Amazing. You can find the piece at the Federalist. The Federalist should be part of your daily reading anyway. If it's not, please make it so. And please look for the piece From John Daniel Davidson, it is an amazing piece. January 6th anniversary coverage is all about silencing Republicans. As you can hear, extremely well thought out. You'll enjoy the piece, and you'll enjoy the analysis. John, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me. A pleasure.
1: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snorley, with you. We are coming right back. Don't you dare go away. Coming right back with your calls, in fact. Bo Knows Politics. And
0: so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
1: WABC. That's Lionel bringing us back. Let's head to the phones. Rich, where do we go? Let us
2: begin again with George in Garden City.
1: Welcome, George. Sorry we put you on hold again, but I'm glad you waited. Thanks. We want to give you a fair shot. What's up, George?
0: Quickly, I'm a court clerk in criminal division for 35 years. I'm retired. I'm not a lawyer, but I know the criminal procedure law. The DA in Manhattan, any DA, can choose not to prosecute a case. But if somebody goes to trial and he's convicted... He can recommend whatever sentence he wants, and he could tell him, I don't recommend jail. It's up to the judge and the statute. So, the most important thing for the people of the state of New York is to elect a Republican governor. Because the governor, we don't have recall here in New York. The Republican governor, if he's a law and order, or even if a Democratic person's a law and order, he could petition the Attorney General to have the DA removed, just like what they did in uh, North Carolina with the Duke case when that ADA was really railroad those kids so it's uh, you know new york's not going to vote for the in the presidential election for uh, we're not going to go red here in new york it's too much to hope for but we should try to elect a governor who's strong law and order who could really remove a da if he he or she so chooses that's what i have to say
1: and thank you that's an amazingly concise and wonderful viewpoint thank you we appreciate that here one of the things i think this is an opportunity folks this is an opportunity for republicans and like-minded democrats to come coalesce around something what this man is proposing is going to hurt people of every single political party there is this is this is beyond politics this is actually about common sense to some degree. Where do we go next, Rich?
2: We're going to head out to the Hoosier State, South Bend, Indiana, and say hi to Rhonda.
1: Rhonda, Rhonda, Rhonda. Darling, how are you?
4: I'm doing so good. I hope that you're doing well, too, James. I want to tell you that I get your daily stacks of BS, which, by the way, is a very clever name. And there are days that I feel I cannot wade through any more BS. I mean, in my head, I think of it as a bologna sandwich. I just can't eat one more. So let me tell you what happened on New Year's Day. It's this kind of thing that keeps me from losing heart. It keeps me encouraged. On New Year's Day, our family of six, my husband and I, and our four sons, went to serve dinner at a local homeless shelter. And the reason that is so miraculous to me is because um, in 2020, our oldest son was homeless himself. He was lost to us, to his father and I, in the world of drugs drifting around in homeless encampments, and today he is back on the road to redemption. He is clean and sober. He's been sober for over a year, and he was serving homeless people from the other side of the line. It was it was so um, heartwarming to me to see how many prayers that God had answered, the fact that he is alive is a proof that God has heard and answered his parents' prayers. And so I know, as the mother of four boys, that the hand of God has moved mightily on behalf of my sons. And so I trust him, James, to do the same thing for my country. A mother's prayers, and I'll bet that you know this from experience, a mother's prayers are powerful and effective, and I can tell you this, if you're being a stinker, you do not want a battle season mother praying for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda, what a wonderful and inspirational story. Um, it is always so good to hear from you because that's what you do. You provide inspiration, hope, and light for people, and it is a delight. I'm glad that you had that experience. I'm glad you're able to share it with us, and I'm glad you called to let us know. Thank you, Rhonda.
4: Yes, thank you so much. God bless, my
1: dear. Thank you, James Golden, AKA Bo Snurley, with you here. Where do we go next, Rich?
2: Let's head out to the Rockaways and say hi to Gordon.
1: Welcome, Gordon. How are you?
0: Very good, uh, Mister Golden. When I first heard you on the air, I said, "My God, this guy talks like I think." So mm. I put together some words because a man of your stature deserves a better introduction, and I've got it. Okay. Here it is. All you listeners, lend an ear. Here is the man who has no fear. He'll give you news that's up to date. Wake up, America, before it's too late. Remember now, you have no choice, but listen to the man with the golden voice, James Golden.
1: Whoa, Gordon, thank you. Appreciate that. We're going to lift that. Thank you. I mean, that's really uh, inspiring. I appreciate that. And you took the time to do that. I'm I'm touched. Thank you very much. I appreciate that so much, Gordon. Thank you for the call. Where are we going next, Rich?
2: We're going to head out to Queens and say hi to Pete.
1: Welcome, How Pete. Understand? How are you?
3: Good. I, uh, Good, I thank you. What's
1: say, on your mind?
3: I just hope the teachers stay in work and stay back at work and don't uh, prolong this COVID stuff any more than it has to be.
0: And I just don't understand Why? why does everyone have such a problem with Trump?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This Trump hate has been because he was effective, because Donald Trump actually got things done that the Republican leadership has been promising for 30 years and never did. Donald Trump got it done. That's why Donald Trump was able to build a coalition that they could never build. And that's what frightens politicians on both sides of the aisle. The fact that Donald Trump is effective. Now, the hatred that the Democrats have for Trump—we've never seen anything like it in this country. Their entire scheme of business, in terms of the middle, in terms of the the their media presentations, are all based on Trump hate. How can we convince people to hate Donald Trump as much as we do? It is not journalism. It's not honesty. It's not an honesty in reporting what his what his achievements are and what he failed to uh, failed to get done. It's based on hatred, and you can read it every day from the columns from Jennifer Rubin in the in the uh, Washington Post. Every day, it's a new I hate Trump column. If you go to the New York Times, you see the same thing. And this is what they've done. Well, here's the thing. Donald Trump has just as much support, is if as not more. He's doing a rally. Um, He's beginning the rallies again. He's got one coming up in Arizona. And it's coming up, I believe, next week. Let's see how that plays out. And let's see how these Democrats react to that. Because I promise you, the people that Donald Trump connects with, are still 100% in his corner. Where are we going, Rich?
2: We're going to go up to Rockland County now and say hi to our friend Gracie.
1: Gracie, welcome. How are you?
5: I'm wonderful, Bo. You nailed it. He was effective, and that's why they're against him, the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, as far as finding Democrats, that are going to try to do something for this state. I don't believe it for a moment. We have to elect a, a Republican, a governor. Now, why don't we have a billionaire like Soros on the right? Uh, a few richy richies on the right can't gather their money together and get some commercials on TV shows that the dummies watch. A lot of people, Bo, you know, I know. My, my, I have some friends. They don't know anything. We have to right. explain it to them. All they know how to say is January 6th, 6, January 6th. 6, January 6th. <laughs> right? That's all they say. All I know is the only person that got shot was that poor woman and, and uh, the policeman in charge there. How, the how, the officer there she, he was the one that shot her, all right. But nobody says anything about that. We have to be out there more and explain. And what happened in nineteen fifty four when uh, um, uh, some you know the Puerto Rican people, some of them. I'm not saying everybody. They stormed the House of Representatives. I think there were even guns and shooting.
1: You're talking about the FLAN protesters. Well, don't you know, of course, that the Democr oh the Democrats forgave that. That's enough listen, what happened when the women in the pink hats were storming into DC buildings when Donald Trump was elected? Nothing. This whole thing is a farce. We have had we have had people storming in and out of DC. Look at the violence that took place during Donald Trump's inauguration. In Washington, DC, Democrats didn't say a word about that. And they don't care about that. So this is all just total BS. Gracie, as always, love hearing from you, darling. Absolutely love it. James Golden, aka Mr. Snerdley. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
0: Now here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, aka Bo Snerdly, on seventy seven W A B C.
1: You know, a UCLA professor, Kara, not Karen, although it might as well be, Kara Cooney, has been criticized for writing in her new book, The Good Kings, that Kyle Rittenhouse shot two black people during that night of civil arrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Of course, he did not. Um, And... This woman, after it was called to her attention that she had the basic facts of the case wrong, she apologizes with an attitude. She is a professorette at UCLA. This is a UCLA professorette. Kara Cooney. On page 341 of The Good Kings, I state that Kyle Rittenhouse shot two black men when instead he shot two white men. That was my mistake, and I apologize. The response has been a hateful stew of ridicule and denial that America has a race problem at all. So she's mad because the people contact her apparently, I don't know, making fun of her. But how dare you, as a professor at at one of the most uh, prestigious universities—you can't even get the basic facts of a case that you're writing about into a book. Not the basics, and then she has the nerve to have it uh, again—an attitude. Uh, nine, Sixteen. That story was uh, let's see, AmericanWireNews.com. This is from BizPack Review. Uh sixteen nineteens Nicole Hannah Jones called out for not knowing crucial date amid lecture on the Civil War. Again, another historian and Miss Jones got apparently the date mixed up. She got a little upset when she was called out on it. Amazing. This is what Democrats do. This is what scholarship means to democrat these these days. And this first woman, this this first professor, I went to visit her website. She has the audacity to call herself a historian. She can't even get basic facts right. Of the book that, and and how does her publisher not catch this? Anyway, telephones, where do we go?
2: We are going to head up to the beautiful city of Yonkers now and say hi to Mike. Mike.
1: Hello, Mike. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77.
0: Hey, James. Good, good afternoon. You know, let me preface this by saying I, I am as conservative as the next person that's listening to you out there, and I'm disgusted with the false narrative of the happenings of of last year, of, of the sixth of January. But that hasn't been said, you made a statement earlier that of, of the things that Trump got done. You know, I just want to remind you that Trump lost Congress, and he had, you know, he had the House of Representatives his first term. You know, they could have had immigration reform. He could do a lot of things. But I I, I get really frustrated when my fellow Republicans make Trump out to be, you know, another Ron Reagan or even better than, because he's not. And, you know, it's about also consensus.
1: Well, let me tell you, I couldn't think you could be more wrong. Let's look at what he did. The first thing that Donald Trump did that no other politician of either party did was win a trade war with China. And, of course, right after that came COVID, interestingly enough. But this is a huge deal going up against the Chinese government, and he did it with zero support from the mainstream media and from many people in his own party. He did it. You look at what he did to streamline regulations. There was a law that went into effect just this week um, so that people can't get surprise medical bills. Donald Trump did that. You look at what he did at immigration reform and down at the border. We never had a Republican president put so much into it. And, yeah, we could have had immigration reform if we didn't have Republicans in the House stabbing Donald Trump in the back every moment. And even in, with that, he got a lot of things done with that regard. Okay, you look at some of the accomplishments that he made in terms of taxes and what he was able to do to bring people, American companies, to allow them to reappreciate their dollars and cents here, to bring that money back to the United States and to create jobs in the United States, which is what he said he was going to do. And the list goes on and on. Donald Trump was quite an amazing get done guy. I think what obfuscates that is that a lot of people are simply stunned by the amount of coverage that he's gotten that doesn't f- focus on that. They're focused on, oh, he was tweeting, he's mean, he's that, he's the other. No, Donald Trump got a lot done. and our co- And our country responded... By moving into prosperity at an unprecedented, unprecedented rate, when President Trump was in office, so yeah, I will just will agree to disagree. Donald Trump was one of the highly one of the most effective presidents of our lifetime, and if he didn't have Republicans stabbing him in the back as well as Democrats, he could have gotten even more done. James Golden, where do we go next?
2: Let's head over to Poughkeepsie, James, and say hi to Chris.
1: Welcome, Chris. WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden.
6: Hi there, James. Thank you so much for um, your commentary today. Thank you.
1: Um, Good.
6: I'm a new student of politics, 59 years old, lifelong Democrat, up until... uh, Well, I voted for Bush his second term, and I voted for Donald Trump twice. And -hmm. I got... And I've changed, completely changed my political beliefs. Um, And, um, you know, I decided to really look at what was going on. I mean, before that, I was just a lazy, uninformed Democrat, just like, all right, whatever. You know, yeah, I'll vote for them, whatever. But um, anyway, I'm really enjoying listening to talk radio because I'm getting a good education. I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think – of the statement that Ted Cruz said about January sixth being a terrorist attack, and I don't know if he said that recently or if that was a while back but i just he said it today. recently,
1: and Tucker took after him for it uh Tucker accused him of using joe biden talking points um and I look I'm not gonna here's what I think one of the things that I think is that. Ted Cruz's instincts are right. Maybe he did not say it. The the people that actually crashed, that used violence in the Capitol, there's no way we should be trying to make heroes out of them. They were wrong, and they need to be punished for it. And I think that that's Ted Cruz's bottom line, that you can't reward people that were involved in that part of the wrongdoing now. Are they domestic terrorists to the extent that the Democrat Party is trying to portray them all? No, they're not. And that's why I understand why Tucker Carlson went after Ted Cruz on it. But, you know, I think it's a distinction without much of a a, a difference. Ted Cruz is pretty much saying, look, let's not make heroes out of people that shouldn't be heroes. How does that sound?
6: Okay. Good. All right, one other thing. You talked about Dick Cheney saying, you know, we have to restore our Constitution. Like I said, I'm really like a new student of politics, never really paid attention to it at all. Now I just can't get enough. I thought that our Constitution made it possible for pe- the people to rise up against what we thought was, were unfair policies or practices or all of that. Am I wrong?
1: No, you're not wrong. It lays out a mechanism for doing that. Our Constitution lays out a mechanism for how people can deal with their grievances against the government. It absolutely does that. I don't understand what Dick Cheney means, by the way, when he says Republicans are not going up for... uh, He he sounds like his daughter. His daughter, of course, is is Miss Trump hate personified. And maybe this is just Dick Cheney showing the daughter some love. Hey, you know, she's there. She's having a hard time. I got to show her some love. Because I don't understand what Dick Cheney's point is. Dick Cheney's one of those guys that benefited from the support of all of us. When the times were bad and Democrats were turning on him, who always stood up for Dick Cheney? We did. And this is so typical. When we look to the people that we support and we supported them thick and thin and we want their support, what do we get back? we get back lectures on how we're wrong so thanks dick cheney i still love you dick cheney i do cuz you lord knows you really did great service for this country but i'm really disappointed in you dick cheney and i'm beyond disappointed in your in your daughter that just i just please and i'm glad that your daughter has exposed herself to america the way that she has because i don't think that regardless of political party she will stand a chance after this upcoming election i think she's too shrill for republicans and i think she's too shrill for democrats in the end i don't think that she's going to have much of a future left in politics so okay dick we've got the lecture from you you're you're disappointed in us okay i'm disappointed in you dick cheney but I still love you, Dick Cheney. And thank you for all your service to America, Dick Cheney. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo NERLY here with you on WABC. We're back tomorrow. We'll see whether we can get a hold of our princess of policy, Diana Me, for her first appearance this year, tomorrow. We'll see if we can make that happen. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo NERLY with you. Back tomorrow. New York City, greatest city in the world. We are America, America strong, the greatest nation humanity has ever witnessed. God love you. God protect each and every one of you and your families. Coming back tomorrow, be here. See you then. Bye.